from UNH, Cooperative Extension. This is relative to New Hampshire. Step into the classroom and listen in while a group of UNH students explore the underlying aspects of current issues under consideration at New Hampshire State House. We pick apart those issues and connect with experts, all to share with you insights from our scientific community that enhance our understanding of the biological world right here in New Hampshire, home of the greatest democracy in the world. I'm your moderator, Dr. Anna Kate Wallingford. In this limited run podcast series, you'll be hearing from several of our brilliant and talented UNH science liaisons who have been spending this spring semester investigating serious topics. But this one, HB 85, was supposed to be a fun one. Here at Cooperative Extension, our mission is to strengthen people and communities in New Hampshire by providing trusted, science-based knowledge, practical education, and cooperative solutions. That being said, we are not allowed to support or oppose any bill being heard by the legislature within the bounds of our work here at UNH. Typically, this space is not the place for personal opinions. This is a space where we ask questions. This is an exercise in scientific curiosity. This is not an easy task for most human beings, our science liaisons included. So when I saw that our legislature was considering a shift to the Atlantic Standard Time, I thought this would be a fun one where I would let my liaisons blow off some steam by expressing their personal opinions about whether they would support or oppose this change. I didn't think there would be any kind of scientific discovery going on here, and boy, was I wrong. You'll hear a little bit of how little we understood the situation the first time I brought it up amongst the group. Oh, I actually, speaking of that, I did put one on the list that I just put on for my own curiosity, which is Connecticut is thinking about switching to the Atlantic time zone. And so New Hampshire now has a bill that says if Connecticut, Massachusetts, and Maine switch to the Atlantic time zone, we're going to switch to which that I just noticed because I was looking at the hearings that were- Wait, what does that mean? So that means like all the time would change here. It would all be, I don't know, what is- Wait, would New York change? Because isn't like Eastern Standard Time is sometimes called New York time? (laughs) Yeah. I don't understand. It's, it's, uh, but if you think about it, like it would be everything East because Nova Scotia and the Bahamas are currently in Atlantic time zone. And for whatever reason, I mean, sometimes I think it gets really late here, but I always thought that was because like, we're really far north. So that would mean it would be lighter in the evening. That would be strange. (laughs) I see this personally. I see this causing nothing but issues. Like, how do you get everyone on the same page with that? What's the benefit? Public. Yeah, right. Time is made up anyways. (laughs) (laughs) So if anybody's interested in that, maybe go to the hearing. Because what the what they'll probably say is like, oh, well, if Connecticut does it, we'll do it too. But like, there's no chance that like Maine, Massachusetts, and Connecticut would switch to the Atlantic time and we would stay Eastern time. I feel like I kind of support that. This might be the thing that tears our group apart. Ella, why would you support the shift to Atlantic time zone? Because it's too dark in the winter in the evening here. Like, I don't care if it's light in the morning. I want more evening time where it's light out. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) If that's the way it would go, I'm still kind of confused about the impact it would have. Because what time does it get dark here now? 
now like 5.30. So sunset would actually happen at 6.30 instead of 5.30. Yeah, that sounds nice. It would be nice. But then what about in the summer? Because it's already light until like eight in the summer. We'd have to give up daylight savings because like, (gasps) I think think the normal, if I'm right, the normal time is the one that we're in in the winter. And then I think the summer is the one where it's different. Maybe it's the other way around. I don't know. Did you hear that moment of realization when we all landed on the possibility of getting rid of daylight savings time? That, ah, the idea of switching to Atlantic for a portion of the year so that we could get rid of daylight savings time started sounding a little bit better. Ali Paisano, a junior studying sustainable agriculture and food systems at UNH, she did some follow-up work on how decision makers in the region are landing on this issue. Allie, did you get a chance to check out the time zone thing? I did. And really interesting. It seems like everybody, this is the second time that it's been through the house. The last time it was passed by the house, but it was shot down by the Senate. That was in 2017. And it's it's pretty much the same bill being passed through again. And I think it might be passed through again because other states in New England are also passing bills like this. Like almost every state except New York, I think, has passed something that's contingent on the other states in New England doing stuff. So like in New Hampshire, we'll do it, potentially, we'll do it if Massachusetts and Maine does it. And Maine says they'll do it if us and Massachusetts do it. And then Connecticut says they'll do it if Rhode Island and Massachusetts do it. I, I I couldn't find what Rhode Island was saying, but I know they have one. So it's all very, I don't know. It's, it's, I don't think it's going to happen personally because looking at it, it just seems like it's everybody saying, well, we'll do it if ever, everybody else does, but there's no one who's taking that initiative. I did see some Congress people in Connecticut were saying just about it that um, they think it could help with seasonal depression which I thought was a really interesting take on it. And he was saying, you know, like mental health is really important in the winter up here and this could really help with that. So, and I remember when we were talking about it the other week, everybody was like, I'd love another hour of sunlight, like it makes me feel better. I think that's a really interesting take on it. And I wasn't sure what experts there would be because I was thinking like experts on time. <laughs> well, I mean, I get, I was thinking, I have a friend, a colleague out in California who studies circadian rhythms oh. um, in, in flies. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. I think that this bill is probably just going to be like the one bill that I feel like we can all weigh in on with our opinions. Considering mm-hmm. like I'm really making everybody hold back their opinions on every other bill we're working on. I feel like the switch to Atlantic time zone might be something that I feel comfortable that we could all put out. This is how I feel about this, right? I just wanted to know if you had gotten any updates as far as like how the legislature, like the members of the legislature felt about it, but it sounds like not yet. It seems to be easier to find other New England states on this because I think that they're a little ahead of the game. Like what we're doing seems to be a reaction to them. But it seems like a lot of people are really supportive of it. Like in Connecticut, they said, oh, this is a bipartisan issue. You know, like we we have bipartisan support for this.
as chance would have it, I happen to be talking to that colleague, Dr. Joanna Chu. She's an associate professor in the Department of Entomology and Nematology at the University of California, Davis. Well, we were talking about unrelated things, and I brought this bill up saying I wasn't sure if this was a silly issue or not. And she responded with a resounding, not silly at all. This is a serious public health issue. And she sent me some materials, one of her professional organizations, the Society for Research on Biological Rhythms, had produced to promote the understanding of of this as a, a public health issue. She did us one better and joined us for a chat about her work and how light health impacts us all. I'll tell you a little bit about my research just to kind of, you know, set the background for what we're going to talk about to give you more sort of scientific basis of daylight savings. But so my lab studies, uh, like I said, biological timing, Uh, we study biological timing in different time frames. We study mostly circadian rhythms, which is 24 hour rhythms and how biology changes over the time of the day, which is actually a lot. Uh, But more recently, I think the last four or five years, we've also started working on seasonal timing, which also apparently changes biology quite a bit. And Anna actually works on that. The basics of what we need to understand in order to understand how how daylight savings might affect us being animals might be to talk a little bit about light health. How do we sense diurnal changes in light? Like, How does light play into how we sense the world around us? If you think about circadian rhythms, um, you know, every one of us has an endogenous clock. That's basically the machinery that my lab studies. And the clock is kind of special. So once you set the clock using environmental signals, uh, the clock is endogenous. So it keeps running and running and running. And one of the signals that it's actually the strongest environmental cue to set your clock is light-dark cycle. It's not surprising, right? Because this is one of the things that keeps, it's pretty constant for our planet um, over years and years of uh, evolution. So light-dark cycle, it's the strongest signal. There are other signals that can set your clock, but light is the most important one you can think of, the strongest time cue. And uh, what happens is it goes through the eyes in humans, in other animals and insects, it goes through the cuticle, it's a little bit different. But in humans and in mammals, it goes through the retina uh, and then um, down the optic nerve. And there's a, sort of a, in the in a special region in the hypothalamus, that's where all the sort of the central clock machinery is. For instance, for folks who are actually blind or individuals who cannot sense light, they constantly have disrupted circadian rhythms. So light is it's important in setting the clock, but it's setting the clock give you, you know, in reference to the daylight savings to the sun time, the solar time, not, you know, the time on our iPhone. This is the confusion, you know, for people talking about daylight savings versus standard time is it's your clock. It's actually aligned to the sun time, not the social time. Yeah. Well, that was the thing that stood out to me the most about what you sent me, that little infographic, was that it's not just the disruption with changing of the clocks that we're talking about. It's the fact that here in New England, we're so far east in our time zone that we are affected differently than somebody who's maybe in the center of the time zone. Yeah. So can you talk a little bit more about like the social time and the clock time and how misalignment might affect our health? Yeah, Um so maybe let's give an example of what 
the clock actually control. The circadian clock is regulating all kinds of physiology and behavior in humans and in other animals and even in plants and bacteria and everything. Regulate your body temperature, your you know testosterone secretion, alertness, muscle tone, energy use efficiency, you know cardiovascular efficiency, all kinds of things. Blood pressure. One of the, of course, the best example to sort of explain how your body can align to social time versus you know solar time. It's regulating, for example, something like sleep-wake cycle. So this is how it does it. So the circadian clock actually regulates a hormone called melatonin. This hormone usually goes up at around two hours before you're about to go to bed. And that it's according to the sun time, okay? And so for example, 8 p.m., your melatonin will go up. That's the sleep hormone that causes you to want to go to sleep. Uh, you get tired, you want to go to sleep, even though you want to watch more TV <laughs> um, or, you know, do whatever you do. And then it goes up and it's the, at peak level in the middle of the night. But what happens is it will go back down about a couple hours before you are supposed to get up and you start being alert. And, and this is actually the level of melatonin going down is what causes you to actually get up in the morning. All this, it's aligned to the solar time, the sun time, not the social time, which is the clock that we keep changing back and forth. Is the problem the actual day that we switch and that like giant jump, whereas like seasonally, obviously we get more sun during the summer, but that's kind of a gradual change. So is it the actual changeover or is it also actually existing in daylight saving time is also leading to the misalignment too. Yeah, it's not just the switch. It's just the difference between sun time and social time. That's the misalignment. The switch makes it worse. Like, well, the spring forward makes it worse. That causes the bigger misalignment. So for example, here in this graphic, you'll see at least on, on the West Coast of each time zone and the Western edge, you know, when you have standard time, the misalignment is actually just one hour. What happens is when you have daylight savings, which is now, the misalignment for us is actually two hours. So our body is listening to the sun time, but we have to follow the social time to live in this society. Like for you guys on the eastern edge, standard time is perfect. You guys have no misalignment in standard time. But what happens is in daylight savings, which is now, you guys are actually having one hour misalignment. So when you are supposed to go to bed, your body telling you, you can't go to bed yet. That's, that's the thing because social time is different than the sun time. So I have a sun lamp at home and it's definitely marketed as something used like that you reset your sleep cycle with this sun lamp. Is that healthy? <laughs> uh, depending on when you're using it, right? You have to use it at the right time. You know, hopefully they'll give you the proper instructions on how to use it. Basically, if you think about it, blue spectrum light Shorter wavelength light is the kind of light that your circadian system is sensitive to. So that's why when you have your phone and your computer, you have, I forgot what that's called, night, night light, I don't know. Night mode. Can someone yes. Yeah, night mode, yeah. So now it's more reddish, kind of yellowish color. You can actually tune your computer and your screens to be like that. And that's supposed to be more healthy, even though you still have light, but at least it's not the wavelength that is your circadian system is sensitive to. 
everybody worries about light at night, but it's also whether you're getting enough light in the daytime. And we have issue on both sides. We are getting too much light at night uh, when we're not supposed to. That's why a lot of people are actually having sleep issues. And then the second thing is we're not getting enough light in the daytime because we're always staying indoors, especially now. Speaking of melatonin, because it seems pretty important in this whole circadian rhythm, is is it problematic to stay awake when your melatonin production is high? Like, does it affect your cognitive function at all? Or is that part of the issue? Or is that just makes you want to sleep? So melatonin does. One of the impact of melatonin, because melatonin is trying to get you to go to sleep, right? So it definitely affects your cognitive ability. So that's one of the effects of melatonin. It's not just to cause you to actually just go to sleep, but then you know, you have cortisol, which is sort of the other thing. When melatonin goes up, cortisol goes down. So cortisol is actually helping you with cognitive ability and the, uh, staying alert and those kind of things. So definitely when you're supposed to sleep, your melatonin, your sleep hormone is telling you to go to sleep, you should. Um, yeah, that's, so that's what I was wondering. So if it's the sun sets and socially we're supposed to stay up much later, you think we could be performing not as well cognitively? Oh, definitely not. Working yeah. or whatever you might be doing might be affected by that. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Do you think people taking melatonin at night, like before they go to bed, the supplement, is that messing up their cycles as well? Actually, so some of my colleagues do recommend them to, like, let's say they're a clinician, they do recommend that to their patients. But you have to be careful about the dosage because I think a lot of people take too much of it then you also have to take it at the right time. You're not supposed to take it like when you're just about to go to bed, that's too late. So you're supposed to take it, you know, maybe an hour or two before you, you want to go to bed. So it's the timing and the dosage. But it, for some people, it does help. Yeah. And how do people in like really far north areas where there's either a ton of sunlight in a day or none at all, how do they cope with that? Yeah, it's... I don't think it's very natural. I mean, it also depends on where your ancestors, the ancestors not meaning your grandma, but like way back, you know, where they come from, because there is adaptation going on as well for different latitudes, people living in different latitudes. So for a lot of those folks who actually live in the Arctic Circle or, you know, you know, way down in the tip of Chile or whatever, their their clock is actually in train when you have like a uh, good balance of light and dark. But what happens is when they get into the part of the season where you have constant light or constant dark, or at least like many hours of light versus uh, not so much of, of darkness, their clock keeps going. And there are other cues besides light that actually help them keep their time. For example, they, you know, they are usually keep their timing of meals, for example. And food is also a, a very strong time cue for setting the circadian rhythm. So it's not just light. So they have other things that keep that cycle going. But it's I personally don't think that, you know, humans should be living in those places. But anyway, yeah. Yeah. Just joking, joking. Yeah. <laughs> well, you you mentioned food is another another cue that sets circadian rhythm. Was that like an insulin signal or or what are some other things that are, that set rhythms? Yeah, so food is a very strong signal. Actually, that's one of the things my, my lab studies a lot is how food is interpreted by the circadian timing system as time cues. Have you guys heard about intermittent feeding, fasting, and time-restricted eating? 
Yeah. So that's what we have we a couple, studied. we have a couple nutrition students here. So, oh, okay. Yeah. So I can tell you that if you align light, dark entrainment signals with food entrainment signals, that would be the best. And I used to eat very late at night because I'm, you know, I don't care about my own health, I guess, even though I study circadian rhythm and health. But, but what, since I started um, researching about time-restricted eating and then food as a time cue, I've stopped eating after seven, basically. No popcorns, no beer, nothing. Beer counts, carbohydrates. And so what happens is when you're eating at nighttime, you're basically telling your body that it's daytime. It has similar effect as almost like light at night and pushing your melatonin level later. Uh, if you eat earlier, because think about it, like you, you have all these enzymes that help you to digest food and utilize your energy that you intake, right? All those things are regulated by circadian rhythms. So if you're eating at the wrong time, your body will be basically in chaos. You won't be able to actually uh, digest food with high efficiency, utilize them in, a, in the best way for energy. So your energy use and you know, intake is going to be off. And this causes diabetes, obesity, metabolic disorders, cardiovascular diseases, all kinds of things. So almost think of food as light. Just follow what your ancestors do. Yeah. Find more information from Society for Research on Biological Rhythms on the dangers of daylight savings time. And for more on circadian rhythms, check out Dr. Chu's lab website at clocklab.org. As for HB 85, this bill passed through the House Committee, but was found inexpedient to legislate by the Senate Committee just like last year. However, I know I've made some changes to improve my light health after having spoken to Dr. Chu, and I've been sleeping better, honest to goodness. Um, now to cut out snacking after dark. <laughs> I asked the group to provide their conclusions. It actually turned out to be the coolest bill we talked about out of nowhere. Seriously? <laughs> that was so interesting, actually. Um, I have like a million questions I could ask her just like uh, about sleep in general. <laughs> yeah, she's super, super smart and she's really plugged in. So I'm glad that that was worth everybody's time. Relative to New Hampshire is a production of UNH Cooperative Extension, an equal opportunity educator and employer. All music is used by permission or Creative Commons licensing. UNH Cooperative Extension is a nonpartisan organization. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are not necessarily those of the university, its trustees, or its volunteers. Inclusion or exclusion of commercial enterprises in this podcast does not equate endorsement. The University of New Hampshire, New Hampshire counties, and the U.S. Department of Agriculture cooperate to provide extension programming in the Granite State. This podcast in particular was made possible by the UNH Extension Internship Program. If you're interested in supporting great work like this for the future, learn more at extension.unh.edu slash internships.